You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. Well, last week we started, to, we talked about the name of Jesus. And I thought we'd continue to talk about the name of Jesus today. Uh, I mean, we could do this for a long time. But we're going to talk about the name of Jesus again. Go with me to Philippians 2, 9 through 10. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Father, we thank you for your dear son, Jesus. We thank you that Jesus came He lived a life like we can live, tempted in all ways, but without sin. That he gave his life on the cross. That he took the chains of sin and death and destroyed them while in the tomb and rose again. And is now seated at your right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. And every name that is named. And we thank you that he has given us that name. And we honor you, give you glory today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So what is in a name? First, Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 22.1 that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. You know, first off, that is contrary to worldly thinking. Worldly thinking is get all the riches I can and who cares what people think about my name. That's worldly thinking. But godly thinking is a good name, having a good reputation, being a person of character is worth far more than riches. So today I thought we would look at some of the other names of Jesus. We touched a little bit on it. Last week, as we, we, we talked about the authority that we had in the name of Jesus and how God has given us the name of Jesus to be our strong tower. And see, as the righteousness of God, right? You are the righteousness of God if you're born again. The Bible says that He has clothed us in righteousness. We tried to come to Him with our righteousness, but it was His dirty rags, right? So we needed the cross. And when we receive Jesus Christ and the redemptive work that he provided for us, he made us. We didn't, we didn't become through our own actions. He made us righteous because of his righteousness. Because there's nothing that we can ever do. We can't work hard enough. You can't pass out enough tracks. You can't give enough money to earn the righteousness of God. He has to clothe you in it. He has to give it to you. He he has to immerse you or baptize you in the righteousness. So we found out that that through the name of Jesus, we put on righteousness. We have his authority. And his name is literally a strong tower. Now, I love this example because if if any of you have watched some of the, uh, you know, medieval movies where, where, you know, entire... Cities are you know, lodged in behind huge, walled 
uh, you know, brick and rock walls and towers so that the onslaught of the enemy can't break in. And he said that his name is like that. It's an impenetrable force. His name. And since we are the righteous, we are to run into that name. We are to use that name. We're to proclaim that name. We're to walk in that name of Jesus. So I thought we'd look at some of the, some of the other attributes or some of the other uh, names given to Jesus. First off, I'd like to start with Emmanuel. I mean, it's Christmas time. That's one that we hear this, during this time of the year fairly often. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So, oh, that's neat. Jesus' name is Emmanuel. But what does Emmanuel mean? In the Hebrew, it means with us is God. With us is God. See, we see this in operation when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. With us is God. Everywhere that they went, God was with them. Remember, there was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. The Holy Spirit was leading and guiding them. God with man. With us is God. In Leviticus 26, 11, and 12, it says, I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. This is Emmanuel saying that I am going to be in the midst of you. And see, sometimes I think in America, because... Um, of how free our society has been, we just take God for granted. You know, a lot of Americans just think they're Christians because they're Americans. Think, if I'm a citizen of the U.S., I must be a Christian. You know, that's not becoming as popular anymore as, as we have much more of an, uh, uh, an influence into this country from, you know, pagan nations. But, you know, literally, Emmanuel means God walking with you. Just think about this. When you go out of your house and get into your car, God is with you. Right there in the passenger seat. There was a pastor in Seoul, Korea, Paul Yonggi Cho. Maybe many of you have heard of him. But on his platform, he used to have a chair that nobody was allowed to sit in. He said, that is the chair for the Holy Spirit. That is Emmanuel. That is God with us. He did it to symbolize the fact that, that, that God is with us. And as believers, when we go out the door, God goes with us. Everywhere we go. I think sometimes we forget that. You know when the guy cuts you off on the freeway? You forget that God is with you. Right? Right? Somebody does you wrong, somebody rips you off, somebody doesn't do what they said they would do, 
somebody hurts you, somebody says something. We forget that we have God with us. See, when you have God with you, you have the capability of never being offended. Because whatever they do just rolls off God. Like water off Teflon. You know, it's when we forget that we have God with us and we decide that, hey, we're going to take this offense because how dare they violate my rights? How dare they cut me off? How dare they do that to me? But see, I think that as believers, if we, if we understand and we are more sensitive and perceptive of the fact that everywhere we go, everything we do, God is with us, I would hope that it would make us act differently. Act more Christ-like. Act more like the anointed of God than the offended of God. Amen? Amen. In Matthew 1.23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And in the Greek, Emmanuel is translated God with us. In the Hebrew, it's with us is God. But the fact is, no matter whether you're coming or going, God is with you. Amen? And no matter what language you say it in, He is still with you. And so as we enter this season of Christmas and we talk about, uh, for unto us a Savior is born. We're talking about that God literally came to walk with us. And He has never left He is still walking with us today. Amen? Now, this next scripture is a mouthful of revelation. Go with me again to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, there is a lot to unwind there. But I know how you do it. You know, you're trying to get your chapter a day in, right? And you've got 10 minutes. And so you just read over this and think, oh, yeah, God's, God's, God's wonderful. He, yeah, he, he, he's an advisor, you know. Yeah, we know he's mighty. We know that he lives forever, you know. We know that he's got peace, and, and we just keep, keep reading on. But there's something very powerful in here. This word wonderful in the Hebrew is pala, and it literally means miracle or marvelous. See, When we say Jesus is wonderful, we're not just saying, oh, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he just so good? Isn't Jesus just a great Bible story? Kids should learn all about him. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, he's so wonderful. No, he's literally saying his name will be miracle. He will be full of wonder. The name of Jesus is... It is powerful because it's wonderful. It's miraculous. That's why I I love Acts chapter 4, you know, and and the prayer that they're doing. And they say, and, and, you know, Jesus, stretch out your hand to heal that signs and wonders will be done 
through your mighty name. I mean, that is wonderful. So when we're singing that he is wonderful, we are singing that he's miraculous. His name is literally telling us he is miraculous. It is who he is. And remember, we talked last week about how he has given us that name. You are supposed to be a walking miracle for this world. We are the hope the world needs. Those who are hurting, those who are sick, those who are troubled, we're that voice of encouragement. We're the hands that can lay upon them. We are the people of faith that can believe the impossible and see it come to pass. You know, the Gospels record about 40 miracles that Jesus did. Now, if you think about that and you break it down, that in, in Jesus' time, from the time he was 30 and, and uh, he was at the wedding feast and, until the time of his resurrection, 40 miracles, that means on average there is recorded about one miracle per month that Jesus did. But we know in the Gospel of John that it says that if all were written, that he did and said that even all the world couldn't contain the books. So how many wonderful acts were performed by the Lord that didn't even get written down? That didn't get recorded? That, that the miracles became such commonplace that they weren't recorded, just specific ones were recorded. The second name, it says he'll be called Counselor. This literally in the Hebrew means to advise you, to be your advisor, to give you counsel, to guide you, to deliberate, to, to uh, deliberate and give you purpose. What I think is so awesome about this, you know, is that when we go over to John chapter 14, Jesus knew this attribute we could not live without as believers. And in John 14, 16, he said that he would give us another helper, another comforter, another counselor to lead us and to guide us. So see, when you received Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit said, hey, I'm here. Whenever you're ready for me, I'm wanting to come in and I'm wanting to fill you, not only and do you with power, but I want to be your counsel. When you have a situation, when you have a problem, when you have an idea, I want to give you counsel. I mean, how many of us oftentimes just, we just run out and do our own thing, and that creates a problem. And then what do we do? And it's come to this, I guess we got to pray, right? And he's saying, well, hey, if you just asked me to begin with, if you would just sought my counsel, I am counsel, I'm counselor, I'm your counselor. I'm just waiting for you to ask so that I can advise, so that I can direct you, so that I can lead you and guide you. Counselor. So, he's our miracle and he's our guide. Mighty God. In the Hebrew, this is made up of two words. Gabor, which is mighty, and then El, which is God. So it could be pronounced El Gabor, which literally means powerful, mighty. See, 
God is so uncontainable. He's so powerful in all he does. Jesus has all power and authority. And, and literally in here, it means that he's powerful, mighty, almighty when referencing God. There's nothing he can't do. He contains all might. Everything that you need. Everything that you're incapable of doing. He's capable of. And he said, I've given you my name. And it's powerful. It's almighty. It is capable. Jesus said, if you would only believe. So he's wonderful counselor, mighty God. He's our miracle. He's our, he's our guide. And he's almighty. He is powerful beyond power. Philippians 2.6 says, Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. See, Jesus didn't consider it stealing from God. When God had given him his name, which he has given to us, he said, God gave me all power. He says, when you see me, you see the Father. I mean, that's why they said of Jesus in John 10, 10, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God was Emmanuel inside of him. God was with him. So being the form of God, Jesus didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. For we know in John 1, 1, says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And then in verse 14 it says, And this word took on flesh and dwelt among us. He was no less God when he took on human form. Even though he was human like you and I were. Subject to all the effects of natural man. But understood his might, his power, his capability. This one I thought was interesting. Isaiah says he'll be called the everlasting father. This word in the Hebrew means that he'd be the eternal principle. He's the person in whom has principal responsibility for the things that occur on earth through his blood. It was his blood that sealed the new covenant. He is the principal. That's why he says, ask anything of the Father in my name, and I will do it. Jesus, I'm asking in your name. He is the principal, the eternal principal. There is nobody that can replace him. He is above all things. So when you call upon the name of Jesus, you're calling on the highest authority there is. Remember, all things were created by him. They were created for him. And then it says that he made them all subject to the church, to us, to the people of God. He's the everlasting father. He cares for you like nobody else. There's nobody that loves you. Remember that song? There's nobody that loves you like Jesus. So he's our everlasting father. 
He is power beyond power. He is our guide, and He is our miracle. Colossians 1.16, it says, oh, this is the one I just quoted, but I'm going to read it. Colossians 1.16, For by Him all things that were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Think about that. Everything in heaven was created by the Word, by Jesus. And everything on earth was created also by the Word, by Jesus. It says that God spoke and the Word went forth and created light. Then it created universes. It created galaxies and solar systems and planets. And it said it created the sun and the moon, created the earth, and it created the waters and the dry land. The Word. Everything that is visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. There is none like Him. Satan tried to become like Him, and it says he was cast down. In fact, as Jesus said, I saw you fall from the heavens like lightning. Son of of the morning star. He was the worship leader in heaven, an appointed angel, but he was not on the level of Jesus. Jesus was above all things. He says he created all things. He created the angels. He is not the brother of Satan. He is the creator of Lucifer, the archangel, who decided to try to exalt his throne above the throne of God. And lastly in here, it says he's the Prince of Peace. This word in Hebrew, Prince of Peace, means he's the head person. He's the governor, the general, the master of peace. He's the master of peace. And this word peace means safety, welfare, health, prosperity, and favor. He is the general, the master of safety, welfare, health, prosperity, and favor. He is it. He is the ruler of it. And you know how much I like Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, when Jesus had his encounter with Melchizedek. Melchizedek. The king of righteousness who was what? It says he was the king of Salaam, of peace. Who had no father or mother. Was without genealogy. He was the embodiment of Jesus, who is our Prince of Peace. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now many, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, he is our peace. You know, I have people come to me sometimes, they say, I have such a hard time sleeping. I have these dreams, I just can't get rest at night. But see, Psalms 119, 162 through 165 says, Great peace have they who love thy law. That means who love thy word. Jesus is the word. Great peace have they who love Jesus. It says that, you will not be offended, nor 
will you be made to stumble. Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them or make them to stumble. See, Jesus is our peace. That's why, you know, I, I know it's kind of funny, but, but the people that say, Pastor, take care. And I say back to them, I will not. Because <laughs> I cast all my care on Jesus. If I'm not going to keep my own care, I certainly don't want yours. Don't give it to me. Give it to Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. So see, when we walk out of, out of the door of our houses, we have to understand we are the miracle that somebody is waiting for. We need to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit. We need to act in the authority of Almighty God. We need to, to realize that He is above all things. There is nothing compared to him that he like a father is everlasting who's looking for the opportunity to be the principal in somebody's life and that we should bring the peace because our feet are supposed to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of what peace the gospel of jesus christ is a gospel message of peace it's about reconciliation It's about reconciling man to their heavenly father. This is his name. This is the name that he has given us. Next, his name is Savior. Now, we we get this one because when we answered the call to come and receive Christ, we received him as our Savior to save us from our sins. To reconcile us to God. To give us the hope of heaven. To give us eternal life with our Heavenly Father. Savior. And last week we covered this moniker quite a bit. But just briefly today, if I can do it briefly. I want to cover it again. Because this is powerful. We call Him Savior, but we really... As believers, as a body of Christ, I find that most people don't really understand what it means to have Jesus as your Savior. But let's read Luke 2.11 first. Luke 2.11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, He was born as our Savior. But this word... Savior literally means your provider, your preserver. Like if you were out on a boat and you put a big life preserver on and somebody threw you in the water, it would be your Savior. It would save you from drowning. Well, what does Jesus save us from? Well, he saved us from hell, right? I mean, that's a good one. But he also saves us from destruction, He saves us from the yoke of bondage. He saves us from sickness and disease. I am the Lord, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. He saves us from poverty. He saves us from confusion. He saves us from everything that is meant to be a curse 
for you. That's why in Deuteronomy 4, or 28, verses 1 through 14, it talks about all of the blessings which encompass what salvation means. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the increase of your herds, the increase of your livestock. I mean, it goes on to say, you shall be the head and not the tail. You shall lend to many nations, you shall not borrow. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh you. I mean, when, when, we, when we look at what it means for Savior, it means that Jesus is our huge life preserver for life. And everything that this world, everything that Satan has intended for you, everything the devil wants to destroy you with, he has saved us from. If we'd only believe it. He is our Savior. It's not just the golden ticket to heaven. It's He has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. As believers, we should be living the abundant life. We should have way more than enough for ourselves. So that we're able to give into every good and perfect work. Because Brother Copeland has said this as clear as anybody. He says, the true measure of prosperity is not having everything that you need for life, but it's having everything you need and having enough left over to meet the needs of the world. See, that's salvation. That's Savior. That's, that's, he's our provider. See, it's not about greed, but it's about being able to meet the needs of this world. That's our job, church. It is not the government's job. Someplace along the way, we have let much of this go. It used to be when people had issues, they were in a church and the church provided for them. We were a very godly nation. We were the source of the community chess, of the feeding programs, of the building programs, because our Savior has provided everything to us. But see, in the Middle Ages, the church was corrupted by orthodoxy. And we're still living with that curse today in much of Christendom. That people were taught that they shouldn't have anything, they should be poor. They shouldn't know the Word of God, but they should just listen to the priests. And that it would be holy to be poor and humble. But see, Jesus came to make His people poor no more. But the church is bought into the lie. Much of the modern church believes that Christians shouldn't have anything. But that's a curse of the enemy. Go read Deuteronomy 28, 15 on sometime. Poverty is not supposed to be a position of the believer. And when I say poverty, I mean poor physically, poor mentally, poor financially. That is not to be our lives. Savior, He is our all-sufficiency. Like I said, I didn't think I could do it really short. Go with me to Titus 2, chapter 2, verse 8. 13. It says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, the name Yeshua literally means Yahweh saves. 
saves us from everything, all of our destruction. Amen? Amen. And let's, let's make this the last one. He is the way. He is the way. That is his name, the way. In John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, this word way literally means road, journey, or route. It is the way you get someplace. There aren't multiple ways to God. There is one way. Jesus said that that he who, who enters the sheepfold not by the gate, he is a thief and a robber. There is one way through Jesus. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, we started out with this. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, and those under the earth, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no other way. In Matthew 7, 14, Jesus said, Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. We don't get to heaven on our own terms. We get there by Jesus, our Savior. Hallelujah. Jesus revealed the way to us. In John 3, 3, he said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in verse 17 of of John 3, Jesus said, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, that the world through him might be saved. In Romans 10, 9, Paul said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will meet the Savior personally and be saved. So I want to give you an opportunity. Anybody here, anybody watching by live stream, I know we have people watching all around the world. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one can experience heaven except by him. He is the Savior. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the Everlasting Father. He's the Mighty God. He's our Counselor. He is our wonderful miracle worker. He is Emmanuel. And so I want to invite you to pray pray this prayer with me this morning. And receive Jesus into your heart. Make Him Lord of your life. Make Him Savior. Make Him your Savior in all aspects of your life. Would you join me in this prayer this morning? Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as Lord and Savior. I believe you died for me and rose again. And that you cleansed me of all sin and unrighteousness. And that I am born again, a child of God. And you are my Savior. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us this morning, I want to ask you to go out to valorcc.com and go to the, the prayer page and just put in a note. 
letting us know that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning so that we can pray for you. We know God has great things in store for your life because he is the Savior of everything you need in your life. Amen? Amen. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com. Or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.